Good morning. You're listening to 3CR Thursday Breakfast Summer Programming. We're doing things a bit differently on the show today as we say goodbye to 2021. Today we're going to take a look at some of our favourite stories, voices and guests from the last year. So stay tuned and let's get into it. And now we're going to play a track by Budgera. So this one is Missing You. Mm-hmm. 
Listening to Thursday Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. It is 7.18 in the morning and you just heard Missing You by Budgera. Quincher Edwards is a Mati Mati songwriter. In 1991, he joined Koori Group Pop Balimba and began the remarkable journey that has taken him from the tiny riverina town of Bellrenard to tours of Australia and the world. It is his experiences as a member of the Stolen Generations and his proud Mati Mati heritage that has shaped his diverse creative output in groups like Black Fire and the Black Arm Band. He has also produced Beyond the Bars, live prison radio broadcasts with 3CR for the last 20 years. For Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners, this conversation references Aboriginal people who have passed away. Welcome, Kutcher, and thanks so much for joining me today. How are you, Carly? All good? Yes, all good. Um, mm. I was um, on the tram on the way to 3CR station this morning listening to your new album, Circling Time, so congratulations. Yeah, every song, every album makes its own footprint, I suppose, and and it's that footprint that you're, you know, you're wanting to leave behind. Uh, uh, what's the word for that? It's uh, a legacy. Mm. And um yeah. Well I see you've got your um black armband T shirt on and Yeah. <laughs> I actually yeah. managed to pick it up um at an op shop. Yeah, I love well, it. Well there you go, see. <laughs> there you go. Uh what would it be now? Twenty twenty one? Well at first at the first conversations I remember having uh was in two thousand and six about this uh wasn't a band then it was an idea and an ensemble idea and then um yeah and then the first performance was in 2007 and yeah it, it's it's a legacy that you try and uh leave behind not just through the black arm band it's it's through your understanding of connection and i suppose you have been mm. a broadcaster with 3CR um, and, you know, done some broadcasts from prisons um, through the Beyond the Bars series. Do you want to reflect mm. a little bit on your work at 3CR in that project? Well, it's still it's still happening to now, Carly, in a sense that uh, myself and Vicky Roach, who, who was a resident, so to speak, of, of one of the facilities and... And now uh, is a grandparent who lives up on the, uh, you know, sort of down near Wollongong or somewhere down near there, and and uh, and has, is giving back to society itself in 
in the fact that she is an advocate for the abolishment, I suppose, of, of such facilities and she understands what uh, removal and incarceration has done to her spirit. And I suppose that's what Beyond the Bars was really all about. And I think, uh, you know, you start off as as a scared little weird guy um, doing radio and and the next song is and the next song is you're frightened to give your your uh you're frightened to talk to the supposed hundred thousand people who listen to your shows. I started off doing uh the Songlines music show with, with Grant Hansen and and uh when he couldn't come in I'd I'd do the shows uh in Studio One and and you start off and you you're scared to speak. So you just play all the all the hits, you know, uh, black boy, black boy, and and uh, we have survived, and and lo and behold, years down the track, you you're actually performing with these icons, you know what I mean? So music has been this big, uh, yeah, has been the vehicle and the footprint that that has been left behind for me to step into, you know. And then, then you, you know, learning how to, in a sense, conversate with yourself through the advent of radio. And then people tune in because they want to know not just what the next song is, but why you think the lyric in that song resonates for you or, you know, and, and to be honest, uh, that's where I that's where I came across a, an unbelievable songwriter in in uh, a man by the name of uh, L J Hill, Lawrence John Hill lives up in uh, Armadale in far north of New South Wales, and to me, uh, L J Hill is one of you know when people talk about uh, Kev Carmody and Paul Kelly and uh, you know, uh, Bob Dylan in the States or Rodriguez, I believe that this guy, LJ Hill is, is the equivalent. His lyrics are, yeah, are to behold, I reckon, but who am I? Yeah. Uh, and so you listen to these things and radio and beyond the bars. And I think, I think that because I was institutionalised as a kid and I understand what it's doing and why it gets done, it's to remove you from any connection to, you know, if, if you're supposedly hanging around with the wrong crowd, well, what it does is it, well, it makes you, being institutionalised, reliant on the system itself. Mm. Mm. Uh, you can't sustain life without it, and so it becomes a business. Yeah. And um, uh, for the people involved, you know, um, and the people who say, "Yep, we'll 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 service this facility. You build it, we'll service it, and uh, we'll keep these uh, no gooders to one side, away from society." But society is the problem, you mm. know. Mm. I look at, I look at, you know, Facebook this morning and 
uh, on three occasions I have, uh, you know, nieces and nephews and grandnephews and grandnieces, uh, you know, physically being, not physically, uh, uh, racially abused while they're trying to play the sport that they love. And how has that, how's that a true society if that keeps on happening? And so I think, I think 3CR and radio stations that have a, uh, that have a voice, uh, I think they need to start advocating for, for the right things and, and, uh, you know, you have advertisement that, that, you know, I don't know, it's, it's all a, it's all a game. It's all about the almighty dollar rather than the humanity in, in the individual, you know. Mm. That's why I think I, 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 uh, I lent my spirit when, when it was first muted by, um, Sean Braybrook, uh, Kelvin Anderson, who was the, the, uh, uh, manager, oh, what was it then? The, uh, I can't remember his title out at uh, Port Phillip Prison, who went on to become the, the commissioner of corrections. And, and every time we said, oh, can we further the relationship and go into, let's say, Barwon or Fulham or Marganite or, or uh, Lodden or Dame Phyllis Frost, he just said, yep, great idea. I'll, I'll give it the green light. So, you know, and and then the, the mobs are vested in that voice. They're vested in that conversation. And it's been a, an amazing journey, 20, 21 years of beyond the bars and, Great to look back at 20, 20, 21 years, but it also, you look back and you think, geez, it's, it's, uh, it hasn't been easy. Yeah. Because you see, you see, you know, I've seen my brothers in there, I've seen my nieces, I've seen my nephews, I've seen, yeah, and it, and it um, yeah, it, it just slowly, Tears away the, yeah, and, and, and then my mind, it does, it goes back, goes back to my time in institutions and. Thank you so much for sharing how you first became involved with the Beyond the Bars program, um, mm. which, as you said, has been going for over 20 years now. Mm. Um, and mm. I think that there's such a strong sense of community at 3CR as well, and I think a lot of, people in prison um, really embrace that when 3CR does go into the prisons once a year. Mm. I was just going to yeah, let uh, listeners know that, um, yeah, 3CR um, started in 1983, uh, so that's over 40 years ago now, and that group yeah. uh, started with um, young artists who'd recently graduated from the Victorian College of the Arts, and they were given the opportunity to set up a studio complex at 200 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy. Um, a building that was once uh, once a textiles factory and a retail outlet. And then in 1984, 3CR moved from its Cromwell Street studios um, in Collingwood to 21 Smith Street, its new permanent home, and that's where it remains today. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it, um, you know, and, and it's... Uh, 3CR is this amazing radio station that... Um, that doesn't rely on um, any 
purse strings connected to uh, the powers that be. And, and that's, that's a strong statement. Yeah, um, my, my journey in uh, 3CR has, not only 3CR, but Fitzroy Collingwood has been uh, a long one. I first came down to, to Melbourne in 90, in, in the summer of, well, I lived in Melbourne for a long time prior to, to, uh, to moving to be with my mother in a, in a small Gippsland town called Taralgan and lived with her for, for a short period of time and, and that, that, you know, that's, I remember, uh, yeah, going to live with my mother and, and my mother didn't, we didn't have a relationship in a sense that prior to me living with her. I hope I'm making sense when I say that, uh, because of the forced removal. But when I went to live with my mother, uh, and living in an institution, uh, since I was 18 months old till I was 13, um, you, you build this cocoon around yourself. And, uh, you know, if you've grown up with your parents or either one or, or extended family, they know your characteristics and they know uh, your demeanour when you're upset or they, they know to back off or, but my mum knew nothing. Uh, and that's not because of lack of uh, wanting to, it was just the way it was and, and um, yeah, so five years I lived with my mum, and then you become an adult. You become eighteen, so you you want to see the world. And I moved down to Melbourne in nineteen eighty five, the, the summer of nineteen eighty four, and you know went to school in uh, Cambridge Street, Collingwood, a, a school called uh, Curry College, and I learnt to become a uh, qualified health worker and and understood the politics of. Mm. Of, 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 you know, the, the politics in, a, in an Aboriginal context as to we are just the pawns in, mm. a, in the massive chess game of, uh, of, uh, the government seat, either federal, state or municipal. And, um, yeah, and, and so we were just the pawn. Aborigines are and still, you know, and, and will always sort of be uh, uh, controlled by the politics of, of what makes us us is is uh, is not anything to do with politics really. But um, yeah, it's been a long journey, Carly, and, yeah. and I'm still sort of learning my place, you know. Yeah. Um, and you said that you moved to Melbourne in 1985. Is that when you started mm. working at the Fitzroy Stars gym as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was at the uh, tail end of 85. I, I, I did the course, Corey College, and and then my brother had a had an association. Uh, my brother Mick was also the CEO or general manager of uh, VASA, Victorian Aboriginal Youth Sport and Recreation, which was based 
at uh, at the gym, and the gym was in 99 George Street, not in not on the corner of George and Gertrude Street where Maysar stands now, Melbourne Aboriginal Youth Sport and Recreation, which uh, was formerly known as Fitzroy Stars Aboriginal Community Youth Club Gymnasium Incorporated. But um. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd go and visit my brother at this this amazing place, the Fitzroy Stars Gym, and bumped into this amazing guy, Jock Austin, and uh, and I'm I'm sure I met him when I was you know 14, 13, 14, 15 uh, at uh, Brunswick Street Oval uh, in Fitzroy. Uh, uh, I think the Fitzroy Stars were playing in the grand final against Collingwood Districts, and I met this guy, Jock Austin, and I didn't know, you know. But he had this aura about himself and this, this amazing presence. And my brothers were in awe of, you know, I can't speak for him, but this man, Jock Austin, you know. And, and for, for people who, who have gone on and, and had the, the, uh, amazing, uh, fortunate occurrence of bumping into let's say someone Carl Lewis or, or Muhammad Ali when when we talk about Jock he had that same sort of presence and the, you knew that you were in the in the presence of somebody who had a vision not for himself but for his people and Jock yeah, and uh, and then I think Mick uh, I think the job of sports coordinator or youth worker there at the gym uh, was up for grabs, and and I put in an application, and uh, and I got got the job. And uh, my wife at the time, Fiona Kennedy, uh, she got the I think receptionist at Victorian Aboriginal Youth Sport and Recreation to work with my brother. So we were in the same building, and. And the, the association or the connection with Jock and Mick and, uh, old Alan Brown senior and Carlene Dwyer who went on to, you know, 30 years, uh, CEO of Neander Aboriginal Cooperative up in, in Nechuka and, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, immersing yourself in this amazing place called Fitzroy Collingwood and in surrounding suburbs and yeah it was an amazing place to be and still is actually but mm. um Fitzroy is yeah and I, it's hard to explain like I've I've talked about Fitzroy and Collingwood in this in the, I don't know whether you've he- ever heard of the Yellingworth app Collingwood and Fitzroy is slowly being gentrified, uh, gentrified in the fact that the bourgeoisie, and I'm not, I'm trying to not be disrespectful to individuals, but, but there's the politics again, you know, the, get the blacks out of Fitzroy, mm-hmm. the Aborigines, move us to the northern suburbs so that Fitzroy can become this different place, but you will not you might be able to remove us physically, but our spirit will remain in, not physically in the streets, but uh, culturally it's it's a place, it's always been a meeting place for Aborigines and 
Mm, and people and, still yeah. meet here. Yeah, yeah, and and you know there there were uh, so many uh, watering holes mm. uh, that that the mob would you know and you know there were two main watering holes the builders' arms and and the royal on on you know the opposite side of um of where Maysar stands now. And then you had, uh, uh, Squizzy Tailors and then you had, the uh, uh, the Metropole. Then you had the Rob Roy and then the old Colonial and so many watering holes that, and if you wanted a quiet one, you went to the, you know, the little back street ones and you weren't shunned. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You were, you were welcomed in as, as a local, you know, practically and, and the landscape will change, but, that's exactly what I'm talking about is the spirit will always be there. Yeah. And in 2019, you launched the web series, um, Kutcher's Carpool, Kurioki. Mm. <laughs> Kurioki, yeah. yeah. Um, and the series featured scenes of you driving around Fitzroy with the likes of um, Uncle Archie Roach, Uncle Jack Charles, Alice Skye, Emily Wuramara, Bunny Laurie, um, there's Bart Willoughby and also Dan Sultan. So I just mm. wanted to know when we can be expecting season two. And also, um, yeah, were there any stories or things that you learnt throughout doing that series? Um, yeah, the, the next series is, uh, that, that was all, uh, uh, the production was through Screen Australia, yes. Uh, and it was supposed to be a web series. Of which it was, but this series is, uh, and I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but, uh, there is a, a new series in the pipeline, uh, and I, hopefully I, I, uh, don't get pulled over the coals for, for <laughs> say, for saying it, but, uh, uh, NITV are picking up the new series and so it'll be on TV, not in a, in the, uh, not on a, on a web, uh, you know, even though it was great to do it uh, through Screen Australia as a web sort of series, but, uh, I think it's a 10, 10 episode, uh, and I can't let the cat out of the bag in, in, in who's hopping in the car. And because of COVID, the situation mm. with COVID and the confined space of, uh, of two individuals who, who probably don't live in the same household, uh, the COVID restrictions and and uh, so forth uh, are not leaning itself to doing that. So we're going to have to try and come up with a way that, uh, yeah, uh, of, of doing very similar but but uh, very different as well. But um, yeah, and like I've travelled, I've travelled around the world with. Bart, Bunner, Archie, Dan, not so much Alice Sky and Emily uh, Wiramara, but to travel the world with my brothers and, and my cousin in, 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 uh, in uh, talking about Archie, but um, yeah, to sit in a confined space such as a car with Archie is, you know, like, like Jock, Archie carries carries a spirit with him and um 
And even my little cousin or big cousin is older than me, Jackie, you know. Jackie's mother and my mother are sisters. And, um, uh, but yeah, Jackie, Jackie's and, and Archie, uh, uh, to sit in the same car as, as them two was, yeah, beautiful, uh, for me. And, you know, you're, you're singing a well-known song with Archie, but you're understanding the lyric. You're understanding why it is what it is. And then you sit in the park with, with Dan and, you know, you, you're recording a, an episode that takes, you know, maybe six hours to film, but you're getting, you're getting to know, uh, Dan on a deeper level than just seeing him on stage. And you're understanding why his spirit is the way it is, you know. And it's that same thing, you know. Uh, he, he read a song called Old Fitzroy. Yeah. And I, think, I can't, re- can't remember what album it was on, but uh, my very first song I ever wrote was a song called Roll With The Rhythm. And I reference, uh, when I get back to Fitzroy, I'm going to let all you crews know. And so... For people who, who, who hear Dan Sultan's uh, song, Old Fitzroy, uh, people need to remember that I was writing about Fitzroy way before Dan Sultan. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not to, not to uh, slap Dan across the face, but yeah. Um. And, I mean, he references it, and I'm going to have to listen to your song now as well, but of, mm, you mm. know, Charcoal Lane, where that's where the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service started, and there's the mm. Korean Information Centre next door, and then, as we've spoken about, just down yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fitzroy Stars yeah. Gym. And so many organisations, you know, that, that, that you know, you'd, you'd, walk, you'd walk down Gertrude Street, or you'd walk down Brunswick Street, or... Or down Smith Street and down Johnson Street, and there were just so many organisations: uh, Legal Service, VACA, um, VAI, uh, yeah, Kick, Curry Information Centre, Curry College, uh, uh, yeah, the Grace Darling, uh, uh, 108 Smith Street was the soup kitchen, uh, which which then moved to. Uh, uh, the Fitzroy Stars Gym, when the gym uh, on the corner of Gertrude and George was built, you had Georgie Wright Hostel, you had Nindabaya Workshop underneath Fitzroy Stars Gym in 99 George Street. You had, yeah, so many. You had Corey Education Centre. You had uh, the Aboriginal Housing Board in Gertrude Street. You had a uh, Victorian Aboriginal Youth Sport and Rec. Uh, way up the other end of Gertrude Street before they based themselves at at, uh, at the gym. So there were, yeah, I remember uh, walking the streets of, of Fitzroy as a you know eighteen, nineteen year old, and yeah, eyes you know uh, popping out, you know, popping out your head. And, you know, <laughs> you, you, you're just turning around, and there were family just you know, and then you had the park. You had the park where we would congregate and and drink communally, and uh, rather than sit at the bar in a pub and 
and fend for yourself. Mm. It was, uh, and in the park there was there was this beautiful notion that even though people were struggling in there, and you know the workers would come up there after you know the you know, nine to five, whatever they were doing, where, wherever they were working, you'd go to the park and you'd uh, support the people who weren't doing so well. Mm. And um, there was no judgment in the park. And I know when I fell on hard times, that's where I turned to, you know, to the to the communal way of uh, of, of uh, yeah, what is what is what is ours is yours mentality, and that's just the way Aborigines are, you know. You know, I I, un- I understand that 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 um the necessity is that you know yeah you, you have a you have a uh, uh, what do they call them they have the little branches of the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service way out in Epping who would have ever thought you know mm. the Vic- Victorian Aboriginal uh, Health Service would have a yeah little campfire way out in Epping mm. you know. Uh, but it's, it's where our mobs are moving and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, and a lot of, a lot of the mobs are, uh, now in the here and now are buying their own lots of Australiana and, um, <laughs> and, um, they're, they're, they're buying or creating a legacy for their, for their kids and their grandkids in the fact that, you know, when I was, you know, 18, 19, all I had connected or given to me from my mother and father was my name mm. you know not not any inheritance because our parents weren't allowed to own anything uh, uh, up until 1967 when we were finally given citizenship so that's all we've been given is our is our uh, last names and our names and but I would rather be connected to uh, my Mutti Mutti heritage and Yorta Yorta heritage and Nari Nari heritage than, than have something handed down to me, uh, because, uh, because of the amount of money that, that was given to them. Mm. As, mm. you know what I mean? I, mm. I, I hope I'm making sense and, yeah, my heritage comes with responsibility of, of protecting country and spirit. And law and, and all things associated with my Aboriginality. Yeah, I, I hope I'm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing because that intergenerational wealth that, um, a lot of white people and also a lot of settlers, other settlers, um, mm. who have come to this place are residing on stolen land. Even though, even to reference them as settlers. Mm. Uh, uh, they didn't settle. They 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 did wrong. Yeah. And we know they did wrong. But the reality is that you know, uh, Australia is based on uh, their their belief system is based on the constitution mm. or the constitution that they believe in. But that constitution doesn't derive 
from the ancestry here and and the continent here it derives from England mm. and, uh, and that's what they based base all their laws and 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 their their system is based on the fact that they believed that this place was uh, uninhabited and uh, we know that that is a fallacy and a lie so yeah Absolutely. It's, how, it's how you see things and Absolutely. how you how, how you perceive and you understand the truths, not just one truth. They're, they're, yeah. yeah, it's it's how you look at them. And now we are going to go into another track, and this one is by uh, 3CR. Resident local and favourite, Quitcher Edwards, and this is from his new album Circling Time, and it's called We Sing. I hear a baby crying in the night, whispers in the wind. Echoes calling out your name Rocked to its core Sounds we cannot ignore Now's the time to reignite the flame It's time for us to hear Beyond the new frontier Waking to a brighter dawn Blessed by the sun United as one When a new child is born We sing for love We live for justice
close your eyes And you still hear the baby's cries Follow your heart Keep your family near Turn on the light We will be alright No more living in a world of fear We sing for love We live for justice And just then you heard Kutcher Edwards, uh, a song from his album Circling Time, and that was called We Sing. And you're on 3CR Thursday morning breakfast. We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. So, here you are. 
Too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Yan. You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM, and we're going to head into a track now by Emily Wuramara. This one is Cruisin'. Low I see it all come to an end. Yeah, we're cruising, packing up our bags, we're moving, listening to our favorite song to you all night long. And it's night time, catch another break and unwind. I'll be there with you. With you. How is your night going? How is your world shining? Does it bloom? Does it how? Does it blow just for you? I will refuse nothing and I won't abuse nothing. Will I ever get the chance to know the real you? I'm cruising, packing up our bags, we're moving, listening to our favorite song to you all night long. And it's nighttime, catch another break in a I'll be there with you. Started. You, you got me started. 
Cruising by Emily Waramara. You're listening to Thursday Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. And I just wanted to let people know that Sunday, the 21st of March from 12 to 7 p.m., we had a special uh, binary busting broadcast on 3CR. And now the podcasts are up and available to listen to. And we've also got transcripts available for most of those um most of the segments that were on for that day and some transcripts still coming. So if you need that for access reasons, those are available on the website and you can listen back to the podcast on www.3cr.org.au slash binary busting. Evelyn Araluen is a poet, researcher and co-editor of the Overland Literary Journal. She has been awarded the Nakata Brophy Prize for Young Indigenous Writers the Judith Wright Poetry Prize, and a Wheeler Centre Next Chapter Fellowship. Evelyn was born and raised on Darug Country, and she descends from the Bunjilung Nation. This morning, she joins 3CR Thursday Morning Breakfast to speak about her new collection of poetry, Drop Bear. Welcome, Evelyn, and thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So, your collection is titled Drop Bear, and I personally really admire your subtle humour in your collection amidst uh, reckoning with really violent topics like imperialism and colonisation. And you have a poem in the anthology titled Drop Bear Poetics, where you draw on fictional colonial characters like Blinky Bill, and you be- beautifully weave in conceptions of Indigenous sovereignty against white settler nationalism. So I'm interested in what you, uh, drew you to drop there for the title of your collection. Yeah, um, and thank you for those very beautiful comments. Um, so I'm not entirely sure about where exactly the language of like drop bears specifically entered all of my thinking about this project, but it was like really, really early along. The poem Drop Bear Poetics is, is one that I wrote a couple of years ago before I really thought about like a longer collection around these ideas. Um, and it just struck me the whole time that there is just this strange um, crypto mythology around the ways in which settler colonial Australia approaches its own ideas of like haunting and ghostliness. And so mm-hmm. the drop bear 
is this weird in-between idea of something that is simultaneously assumed to be native, even though we actually, like, there's no Aboriginal stories of drop bears or anything of the like, but is also so international in the way that we kind of use this idea of the drop bear, this joke of the drop bear, to terrorise tourists and and people who are, you know, overseas and hearing strange stories about terrifying Australia. So, I don't know, I just, I was drawn to the notion of something that is liminal and between and ultimately functions as a way of kind of terrorising people. Um, so that was a weird kind of avatar for me and for any kind of idea of haunting throughout the book. Mm, which, yeah, you definitely draw on quite a lot um, in your collection. You clearly love birds. Um, your poems have dotted throughout them wattlebirds, currawongs, magpies, lyrebirds, kookaburras. Um, where does your love from of birds come from? So that is, like, thank you for asking me that question because that's a very attentive and lovely question to ask. Um, I, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time around people who have incredibly special relationships with birds and, you know, when you're an Aboriginal person, you're always raised knowing that, like, birds have this very close communication and relationship with spirits and ancestors and you have like a very subtle respect for that um, and you learn like different roles of birds but um, yeah for me like I don't know I've just I've always loved the different ways in which there seem to be so many stories and personal feelings that people have about birds like some of the earliest dreaming stories I can remember being told were about like the lyrebird and about how you know, why some birds are black and why some birds got their colours. And, um, you know, throughout my life, I've just I've just met people, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, who have just had such deep and tender relationships with those, you know, with, with birds and different birds in specific. So I really enjoyed, I, I love writing about what other people love and, and my love of those people through those things. So that be, did become like a bit of a running theme throughout. But, um, yeah, I, I was I had no idea anybody picked that up. So thank you. That's very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, actually, speaking of birds, my because I'm Wangi and Chinese, so my family come from the Gulf country. Um, oh, and Yeah, just thinking about it, yeah, now my great-great-grandmother, her name is Minnie Maibuyongi, and so Maibuyongi means um, black red-crested cockatoo. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful. They're, they're such beautiful birds, and again, like there's like really special and intimate relationships with ancestors and country and stuff. And like particularly black cockatoos, they're just like haunting and gorgeous. And it's so interesting to see the way that like settler colonists were were also like struck by these amazing creatures too. So like going back into journals. I'm weirdly resentful that they have this love as well, but it's so fascinating to read that there's like over 200 years of that kind of um, that kind of interest, even from the settler colonists and from all of these different voices that you don't always expect to be paying attention to the land in any regard. They're just kind of there to use it. Mm, mm. Um, and. In your collection, there's a real sense of reckoning with the present reality. Um, my favourite poem is Playing in the Pastoral, 
And I think there's this mantra and an ethos in Australia that pastoralists are farmers and that farmers in this country are always struggling and they're doing it tough and, you know, they're really benefiting the Australian citizen. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, like, how, through your poetry, do you try and grapple with the settler violence of pastoralism? Yeah, that's another thing that, um, you know, like, so much of this collection is propelled by an attempt to give nuance to things that I um, I either I love or I hate or I have, like, an incredibly problematic relationship with. So I do attempt to confront things no matter how complex they might be. So, like, I'm very open about the, you know, I, I, I live with my grandparents for a time on, on their farm and it, it's something that I have a really intimate kind of nostalgic memory for. But living there, like, I knew how violent and awful pastoralism is for our landscape. Um, you know, like, who's in particular just, like, so destructive for our soil and there's a really long history of that in the region that I grew up in, the Hawkesbury, and the damage that the pastoral industry has done. Um, so I try to acknowledge, I do try to acknowledge that um, pastoralism will never be, um, uh, will never be able to be involved in the decolonisation um, of mm. the Australian landscape, alongside recognising that it is sad to see an area that, you know, you've grown up with or that you have a lot of um, love for, that connect, you have connections with, it is pretty sad to see it go from pastoralism to, like, suburbia, mm. knowing that they're both destructive forces, knowing that they're both, you know, really bad for the environment, but that you you still mourn the loss of something that you've known and that you've loved um so i just try to be honest about the um i try to be honest about the fact that i do have personal feelings tangled up in really awful harsh um harsh ways of mistreating the landscape and um i think that's important like i think we do have to be vulnerable about the different ways in which you know we are implicit in different problematics mm. Um, and now to another aspect of your collection. A number of the poems take on academic or institutional conventions, for example, Appendix Australia, Australis or Acknowledgement of Country, um, which is spelled C-U-N-T-E-R-Y, um, and they're really different examples, but what does adopting this type of language allow you to do? Uh, so I did, I did use... A bit of conceptual and academic language throughout the collection quite intentionally um, but then also in moments it crept in because I've you know I've been doing a PhD for forever and mm. like I'm also a researcher and a teacher and um, I'm always just so struck about struck on the ways that academic language is used to kind of legitimate or delegitimize knowledge and I definitely had like this really petulant feeling throughout the book um, that I could say what I wanted to say poetically, I could say it honestly and from the heart, and I could say it informed by storytelling, by elders, by culture, and they still wouldn't listen. And so a big part of um, my attempt to kind of use some of that language and those structures was to kind of ironise and undermine their validity and demonstrate that um, they aren't the authority. That's not the authoritative way to convey mm. information. Um, it's just the way that we are, 
accustomed to um, structuring different arguments that are ultimately usually there to kind of speak over other people who don't have access to those systems and structures. So really badly misusing them throughout the collection is my subtle attempt to <laughs> undermine those things and hopefully get revenge for myself for foolishly trying to do a PhD. <laughs> Um, and Evelyn, I was wondering if you would like to share a poem on air for listeners. Yeah, um, well, I might, I might read Drop Air Poetics just because it was the first one you mentioned and I think it's probably, it probably summarizes the collection best. So, um, yeah, so this one is Drop Air Poetics. Tiddalik say, I'm such great thirst, I will drain the land and drag my big fat belly across the empty sea. Bunyip say, I'm going to gobble you up if you step borders where I sleep, and with wet claws I will snatch your spine and ankles to fill them with stain and stench. What the mopokes say don't need saying if you've grown up under his eyes. Now here's the part you write black snake down for a dilly of national flair. True God, you don't know how wild I'm going to be to every fucking postmod blinky bill trying to crack open my country, mining in metaphors that place you felt felt you, somewhere in the Royal National. Wagon says he's heart, but I am rage and dreaming of the gloss green palm fronds of this gentry set antique. All this pot planting and our sovereignty, a garden for you to swallow speak our blood. If you're talking that talk, you've got to scrape it from my schoolhouse walls, filter gollywog ashtray, snuggle pot kitchen to your pastoral deconstruct, fill four and twenty pies with artisan magpies. If you sever their heads, you can wear them to the doof. I say rage and dreaming, for making liar the liar bird, for making my medic the power by army gave when ribbon's mischief swallowed first life. Ochre dust, Creation breath, ancestor song. We aren't here to hear you poem. You do wrong, you get wrong. You get gobbled up. Thank you so much for sharing that, Evelyn. Thank you so much for having me on. So lovely to talk to the collect about the collection. Somebody <laughs> read it and thought things about. It. <laughs> and how can listeners um, get a copy of Drop Bear? Uh, so droppers, I think, for sale in pretty much all bookshops at the moment around Melbourne. Um, but I would really encourage people to shop locally at their independent booksellers because that's they've all taken a hit throughout COVID. Um, so if you even if you can't get a copy through them uh, specifically, maybe ask if they'd like to order or if they have a website, order through that. And failing that. Um, Booktopia uh, is a really good um, bookseller, online bookseller that supports independent sellers and supports the Australian publishing industry. Fantastic. And also, how can listeners um, stay up to date with your work? Uh, well, really the most, the best thing to do is to just follow me on Twitter or check out my Twitter account, which is at Evelyn Aralewin. But fair warning, I do occasionally, you know, get a... I go on some rants at like 3 a.m. <laughs> about once a month. So just mute me on that occasion and, and then check me out for anything else at the time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Evelyn, for joining us this morning on 3CR Thursday Morning Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me. Really lovely. 
And just then I spoke with Evelyn Araluen, who is a poet, researcher and co-editor of the Overland Literary Journal. And she joined us on 3CR Thursday Morning Breakfast to speak about her debut collection of poetry, Drop Bear. The Rainbow Door is a free, culturally safe, specialist helpline for all LGBTIQA plus Victorians. The helpline provides information, support and referral from experienced peer workers on issues including mental health, family violence, relationships, suicide prevention and sexual assault. For information, support and referral, call the Rainbow Door on 1-800-729-367. That's 1-800-729-367, 10am to 6pm every day. Switchboard is a 3CR supporter. So now we might go to a track. This is Price I Paid by Maisha.
Price I Paid by Maisha. And you're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. And now let's head to a track. This one is Role Models by Kobe D. When I was young, you couldn't tell us different But then again, you weren't in that position Looking to the eyes of a teen who's never had nothing Smoking bones and drinking mosey with the speaker pumping Down the park, 50 deep, relocate to the beach A hundred teens getting chased by them pump police And it was all fun and game until these drugs came Popping pills and drinking liquor till the sun came Ain't nobody there to tell us from a man's view I was snorting coke and selling drugs like a man do At least that's what I thought I know that's not the way I was taught But there's some things a single mother couldn't teach us, of course I learned my lesson from the street and nearly paid the price Overdosing in the park and nearly took my life And now I'm watching as a friend, he's lost it all the eyes Thinking will he ever get away from smoking glass pipes Now he's at the bottom, whole friends forgot him Tried to get away but everybody tried to rob him Ain't nobody there to guide him, he just copied what he seen Followed all the older kids, he turned into a fiend So now I stop and think about my message to these teens Ain't no role model here, just a brother with a dream I just wanna see a change Now everybody's asking me to change I'm just trying to take away the pain Everything that I was taught was in this bottle What we know is what we see and we ain't had no role model Everybody asking me to change I'm just trying to take away the pain Everything that I was taught was in this bottle What we know is what we see and we ain't had no role model Old scars with new ways to cope Old ways with smoke, weed, pills and coke Long days my mom seen it the most I was thinking about my neck and a rope That's why I can't go back Glad I got my life on track Now I can finally be the father that I never had Keep my mind on my money so we can never be broken All my time because I know how much she needed that In the position, this kids always need a person to listen I was but I was alone cause we ain't had no pots of piss And I was 16 with big dreams of man living No role models, just total cousins, that's drug dealing I had addicts and alcoholics in my building 2035, that's the place that I got my life visions All I know is I'm a kid with the facts I changed my life and I ain't never going back I gotta be that role model
track there was Role Models by Kobe D. You're listening to 3CR Thursday Morning Breakfast. And uh, we're about to go into our next interview. So I caught up with Lady Lash earlier in the week to speak about her new album, Spiritual Misfit, which is out with Heavy Machinery Records on the 22nd of November. And Lady Lash is a Kokatha and Greek musician who brought her magic to stages, including the Sydney Opera House, prime rooftop bars, grassroots festivals and arts venues across the country. As a family woman searching for deeper meaning through sound and voice, Lash's it lashes is a musical vision of eclectic rarities that is embodied by culture and experience. And this album is really a tour de force. So I'm looking forward to everybody hearing this interview. Crystal, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thanks Priya for inviting me and you know, having this opportunity to jump on and connect with everybody. Would you mind by starting letting listeners know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, my name's Crystal. I'm originally from the far west coast of South Australia. I'm a Gorgor the woman with Greek heritage. And I'm currently living here in Nam, here on the Kulin Nations. And um, I'm a hip-hop jazz artist, I guess, turned experimental, experimenting my sounds and understanding um, where I sit in this world, psychologically, spiritually, and physically. And, yeah, I guess... We're just souls living this, living our high life, you know, as much as we can. So thank you for having me. No, it's it's really awesome to be able to have you on, especially now that live music is starting to return and there's been some amazing music coming out, including your album, which was released on the 22nd of November, Spiritual Misfit. And I think this really shows a pretty incredible genre shift from your hip-hop and jazz roots that you've been working on, you know, in your solo works and with Oetha. And you've shown like so much range and versatility in this album. And I was hoping you could take us through some of the process of developing that. Yeah, I've been sitting on this album for a while, but um, the, the song process, uh, a few years it's taken me. Um, I'm just going through this deep shift of, uh, I think, just moving sounds and understanding my identity as a, a confident woman, a confident black woman at that. And, uh, yeah, just messing with the sounds a lot and understanding, um, how it sits within my identity, within my culture, with my Aboriginal culture and my Greek heritage as well. So, you know, it's just been, um, I think my music embodies a lot of the spiritual growth and the, I don't know, the, the deep, deep entwines of music, you know, that, um, frequencies and sounds that it's able to heal as well and, and connect and be able to um, ignite something in, in someone else, you know, to make them feel. Because I, I think I'm very much of an empath as well. I, I feel a lot and I'm just, yeah, working my way through that. And music is the outlet that, yeah, it's like a, an extension of me, you know. Yeah, I think that comes through really strongly in the album. I mean, the way that you express different themes through the different songs and your, you know, choice of composition. And it seems like this has been a very personal work as well. Like you said, I want to ask, did, did a bazooki feature in Mother's Cries? Was that a reference to Rambetica? Uh, yeah. And um, there was, a, there was a Rambetica because I was in that documentary, but, um, it's the Baglama. Okay. Featured in there. Yeah. By, awesome. played by Katarina Stevens. So I just this is during COVID and I was like, sis, I want to send you some stuff. I'd love you to put your amazing, you know, your skilled guitar work down. And yeah, sent it off. She sent it back and yeah, it just came out beautiful because um Mother's Cry is very personal and deep. It was like honoring both of my ancestral lines 
to um, come into this this power that I hold, um, not power, but just this soul journey that I hold. I feel like this siren, this soul siren moving into the cosmic realms and in deep into the ocean. Yeah, so it's a very um, big track as well and you're very um, ritualistic, I guess you can say. But yeah, just honouring honoring who we are and a beautiful, confident woman, no matter where you're from in the world, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really amazing to hear that come through. And yeah, could you speak to some of to some of that, the way that your personal journey kind of maps on to the use of different genres and the use of different, you know, instruments, compositions, styles of electronic production as well. Yeah, uh, I started off with poetry when I first started, you know, writing music. So it was just a natural progression for me to do poetry with music. And I just felt like it just, there was just like this ebb and flow. There was natural, natural feeling and natural just being with it. Yeah, that's how it felt. But the process of it all was very deep and very psychological as well because I was going through a whole bunch of personal stuff like separating from my now ex-husband and during COVID and it was just this, this deep journey of coming back to self and understanding my identity again, you know, as this this woman in this world. Obviously, I've, you know, done a lot with my documentary as well, but, yeah, it's just this never-ending rebirth and death, and I've died many times, so, yeah. It's an incredibly rich catalogue of work, which is why I would really encourage people to listen to the whole album because you're not going to get the full picture from just one track. But yeah, you also mentioned you did have a documentary out in 2020, um, Lady Lash, which was the winner of this year's Setting Sun Film Festival's Best Indigenous Achievement Award. And it's also now an official selection for Melbourne Women in Film Festival 2022. So congratulations on that. And I was wondering if you wanted to comment on the way that the documentary is being received, but also that process of visual storytelling as well as um, musical. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess awards are just the extra extra little oomph there but I think the message in the documentary is more important you know than awards and I think winning the awards are more to do with okay more people will get to see it as well and understand what's happening out on country and within the music the process of music making of um, how, how it works especially being a mother in the music industry you know so um, and a creative mother at that the documentary opened up so much um, healing for me and then it just threw me, whooshed me into this another portal of this creation that I've done on Spiritual Misfit. So it's just this evolution of music that I've done. And I don't want to stay in one box. I love to shift and move different genres. And I don't know what that is. It's just a natural you know, progression for myself. Yeah, and I think it just shows through. Uh, there's a thread, you know, that that goes through with, with whichever I do. Because now I'm also filmmaking, so uh, being a producer on a documentary, and yeah, learning the ins and outs and how to um, tell stories through film and visuals. You know, I think it's very important. Yeah, and you can tell it however you want. You know, so I think yeah, stories are very. What do you call it? Uh, the pinnacle of my life as well is even when I write, it's very visual. It feels like it's a, it's a movie in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that definitely comes through in both, you know, the way that the documentary plays out and in spiritual misfits. It seems like sort of a continuum of growth and personal exploration 
that, you know, you're going through your personal story in the documentary and then the different ways that branches out comes through in the album. Is there anything else you're working on right now that you'd like to share? Is there a tour in the works? Um, nothing to be announced yet. I'm not announcing yet because we're still in the middle of COVID, I guess. Um, and then you've got this new strain that's coming through. <laughs> I'm so over it. But, um, yeah, at this point of time, um, obviously I've just released the album. I've been thinking about jumping into, um, obviously I'm doing film work right now. And, yeah, just working out what um, I want to do musically next. I'm sitting there looking at my instruments and I'm like, I know I've got to play you soon. <laughs> so, but it will come in time. It will come in time. I've got some rehearsing to do. But, yeah, I'm just a I'm producer for a documentary at the moment. So that's that's in the churning away in the works. And that's a lot of work. It's a very powerful story. It's called Native Tidal Rockets. It's about uh, back out on my country, um, you know, the military. They've put a launch pad out on our community. So a very important story. And, it's, um, you know, our matriarchs are advocating, you know, the, of what's happening out on country. So it's very important to um, protect country, it's sacred, our sacred sites. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really excited to see that come out too. Where can people grab a copy of Spiritual Misfit? Yeah, um, you can jump on Bandcamp and order uh, a 12-inch vinyl, so which is pretty cool. This is my first ever vinyl. Um, mcladylash.bandcamp.com. Yeah, just jump on there. You'll be able to find all my um, discographies. Is that what it's called? Discographies. <laughs> so, yeah, um, be able to pick up the digital copy as well. Um, even jump on my website, www.mcladylash.com. And it's on all on all digital uh, platforms at the moment as well. So sweet, yeah. And there's a link to the documentary as well on your website too, so people should go mm-hmm. check that out as well. Well, yeah. thank you so much for yeah making the time to talk with us about this. All the best with you know the reception of the album. I'm sure it will be fantastic because it was a real journey. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for listening and inviting me here today and, you know, let the music, let the music roll on and um, hopefully it heals and inspires people as well. You're on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. It is 739 in the morning and you just heard an interview uh, that I did earlier this week with Lady Lash, who's a Kokatha and Greek musician and who has recently put out her new album, Spiritual Misfit, which is out with Heavy Machinery Records on the 22nd of November. And we're going to hear a track from that album. So we are going to hear Crest of Gold, which is one of the singles from Spiritual Misfit by Lady Lash.
You're on Thursday Breakfast, and you just heard the amazing Crest of Gold from Lady Lash's new album, Spiritual Misfit. And once again, just really encourage people to listen to the whole thing, because there is such an incredible mix of different genres within that album that you're not going to get the whole picture from just one song. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.